A jury in Brooklyn is weighing the case against former HSBC currency trader Mark Johnson, who's accused of trading ahead of a customer's $3.5 billion foreign exchange order, forcing the client to pay a higher price. HSBC earned $8 million on the deal. The prosecution's strongest evidence is recordings of phone calls between Johnson and traders, like this one discussing the aftermath of the order. 300. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think we got away with it, but yeah. Well, if we get a call, then uh, then we're going to we're going to, have to say, well, a lesson to be learned is be honest. To, be honest and tell us what you've told the client. Yeah, exactly. That's ridiculous. You make, and that makes me look like a complete idiot. Johnson took the stand in his own defense and insisted that he acted properly. Joining us are Patricia Hurtado, Bloomberg News federal court reporter, and Lenan Wen, Bloomberg News FX reporter. Pat. When the defendant takes the stand, his credibility credibility sometimes outweighs other things in the jury's mind. How did Johnson do in 13 hours on the stand? Well, actually, he was on longer than 13 hours, over uh, three days, so uh, probably about 15. And um, he told a story that is to refute what the jury heard on these calls and saying everything is above board. He handled it properly. The client uh, did a, got a fair price for the transaction and that, that basically there was no funny business here. So, Lenon, um, how bad are those tapes? Um, if you were... If you were, you know, just look, listening as a layperson, the jury is um, listening to someone who is celebrating uh, the trades, who's saying the client is going to squeal, who's saying effing Christmas. So, um, you know, they, they do sound pretty inflammatory and, and pretty, uh, you know, uh, negative for, for the defense or for the defendant. So it's a pretty stark contrast to what the jury was able to see on the stand, which is, you know, a calm, composed uh, trader as opposed to this sort of gunslinging guy that's on the phone. Pat, was he able to explain away any of those incriminating calls on the stand? Well, his lawyer, uh, it, I mean, the the 90% of his direct, of his, of, uh, of his testimony was brought out by his lawyer in these long, involved explanations of how a foreign, a, a full risk transfer trade would have happened as opposed to what they did, with, which was a fixed trade. And they were going to take the price at 3 p.m. on December 7, 2011. Um, there would be long, long, long answers. And um, one, I thought I would want to hear the answer because I want to understand understand what the transaction, how it happened. And it, it ended up being very confusing. So I'm not sure what the defense was going for, but I guess they felt fulsome was better than being succinct. Because And so um, the prosecutor on cross-examination tried to bring out inconsistencies between what he said in the call and uh, as opposed to what he said in email chats uh, versus what he actually was explaining on the stand. For example, <clears throat> there's a chat um, where an IB chat, a Bloomberg chat, where he says, my watch is off, and he claims that that's not which triggered uh, 11 other traders at the bank to start trading ahead of the transaction. He said that the, the client was on notice that early trading would happen just to amass such a large transaction and to do, that, to do it, as well as it was code for that uh, to basically not alert outside the bank so news of the transaction wouldn't leak out and then the client wouldn't be hurt. Lenon, the defense also put on some tapes, but those haven't been released uh, by the defense attorneys. What were they trying to show with the recordings that they put on? 
I think the defense was trying to show, again, that these were standard business practices, that uh, there wasn't anything nefarious going on, that the uh, bankers were trying to prepare for a very, very large order, and they were kind of just carrying out business as usual. So um, unfortunately, we you know weren't able to, to get that side, but we've got you know what the, the prosecution is proposing as a you know very damning evidence um, proving to the contrary that uh, Johnson and Stewart uh, Scott had malicious intent, that they were trying to hide information from their clients and, um, you know, trying to trade uh, in order to profit uh, from their their client's information. Pat, I read that he said that the client was aware that there would be early trades. Was there proof of that? Well, it has to do with the fact that originally how the the trade was pitched, they pitched it as an 11 o'clock. I mean, the Basically, the bank went in and promised to drip feed the transaction. The defense of Johnson's lawyers are saying, well, that's sales guys just promising the moon and the stars. But this was supposed to be, you know, Johnson, the jury just right now heard a replay of uh, Johnson talking to uh, Roth, uh, the advisor for Karen, the client, and um, in October before they'd even gotten the deal and saying that it could happen. It could take two hours, that they would slowly accumulate a position. Um, so it's sort of a little difficult to tell whether or not how much did the client know or were they kind of misled into doing a transaction not at 11 o'clock, 6, but at 3 p.m. when there was less liquidity and it caused it was easier to manipulate, which is what the government claims. So um, it's sort of a moving target of what exactly the client understood. But they actually, on the day of the transaction, go and ask Johnson and his co-defendant, what should we do? Do you want to do a 3 o'clock fix or a 4 o'clock fix? What do you guys recommend? And then they said, we think 3 would be better. But it only gave uh, HSBC a half an hour to do the transaction. They claimed that 30-minute time period compressed the purchasing, causing uh, the disruption and the market volatility that caused the price to spike. Lynette, there were the prosecution put on some expert testimony about how the trading happened uh, at HSBC that day. What did they show? Well, the both sides showed uh, the price charts and the trading activity by the HSBC traders. And so what you see is, you know, the price kind of ticking along, then gradually coming up. And at the end of this period, you know, around three o'clock, the price really shooting upwards. Um, and so obviously the prosecution side makes the argument that uh, this is all of the HSBC traders ganging up, you know, aggressively buying pounds and really artificially inflating the price that their client would eventually have to pay. Um, the defense argues that, hey, look, this is a huge order, several billion dollars. It's going to move the market regardless of how you, uh, you know, no matter how you slice it. So their actions to try and prepare for that trade, they say, are just a, an evidence of normal hedging in the market. Pat, been about 30 seconds. Uh, juries love Fridays to come out with verdicts. But how long have they been deliberating? Um, they started deliberating around, I would say, 11.20 yesterday. So it was about five hours yesterday, and they started at about 9.15 today. But anyway, they've been asking for tons of evidence and testimony, so it might be quite a long afternoon. It's unclear if they might reach the, the goal line at, uh, at 5 o'clock tonight. 
Oh, good luck waiting. I know what that's like. Thanks so much, both of you, for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Patricia Hurtado. She's a Bloomberg News federal court reporter and Lanan Wen, Bloomberg News FX reporter. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks to our producer, Chris Tricomi, our technical director, Chris Tricomi, and our producer, David Sutterman. Have a great weekend, and you can always find the latest legal news at BloombergLaw.com. Coming up next, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Messer.